Boys and girls, ladies and gents, welcome to another episode of Clutch Conversations. It's your boy Mike. We back at you one more again, live on a Thursday night. Hope everybody is doing well. Hope everybody is feeling alright. Man, always can't wait to Thursday. Man, so happy to be here. We got an excellent episode on the way for you. But first and foremost, shout out to my lovely wife Takar. Appreciate everything you do. Appreciate you holding us down. Y'all make sure y'all show us some love in the comments and don't stop there. Do us a solid and show the channel some love. Make sure you hit that like button. If you haven't already subscribed, hit that subscribe button. And everybody, make sure you hook smash that notification bell so you can get notifications each and every time we drop a video. Uh, definitely shout out to the audio only game. As you know, audio recordings of Clutch Conversations are available on all major podcasting platforms. That's Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, and more. Definitely, when you're checking us out on your favorite podcast platform, please be sure to follow rate and review it really helps us out we really appreciate the feedback and we really appreciate the support speaking of support if you're involved in this reptile hobby in any shape form or fashion make sure you're supporting us arc and us arc florida the links for both organizations are in the description of this video if you're not a member definitely go grab your membership if you're able to donate please donate what you can and be sure to spread the word about both these organizations that help protect our rights as reptile keepers tell a friend tell a friend tell a friend tell a friend speaking of tell a friend make sure you tell a friend about our dope ass sponsors that we got we're gonna kick this first sponsor video we're gonna say what's up to some to some of the folks in the chat then we're gonna get right to the show Big dreams start in small towns. Small Town Exotics is a family-ran business that specializes in high-quality ball python morphs, western hog noses, and select leopard geckos. They are proud members of US Art, US Art Florida, and the Orient Society. Stay connected with Small Town Exotics on YouTube, Instagram, and Facebook. Witness their journey as they grow their business and showcase their animals to the world. Thank you, Small Town Exotics, for sponsoring the show. Shout out to the sponsors. Thank you, Shane. Thank you, Justin. Let's see who we got in the chat tonight. The homie Brian, what's good, bro? 352 in the building. What's good? Heathen Hatcher, thank you for coming out. Thanks for the support. Scales, Fins, and Feathers, what's good? Thanks for coming out. Appreciate the support. Frankenstein's Morphs, yes, sir. Let's go. Appreciate the support. Sammy, what's good, brother? Thank you for coming out. Appreciate the support. Big Wiz in the building. 
again. Shout out to the Wiz Tang clan. Shout out to the V unit. Shout out to the suspects. Appreciate everybody coming out, showing love. The homie Chris from BNS Reptilia. What's good? Thank you for coming out. Appreciate the support. EA Snakes. What's good? Thanks for coming out. Appreciate the support. Osa Reptiles in the building. What's good, GK? Appreciate you coming out. Thanks for the support. Serp Works, what's good? Appreciate you coming out. Leviathan, what's good? Stephen Accordion, thanks for coming out. Appreciate the support. Jason, what's good? Thanks for coming out. Appreciate the support. Golden Rule Reptiles, what's good? Homie, thank you for coming out. Appreciate the support. Two of us got Big Tank Hank in the building. What's good, brother? Thanks for coming out. Takara, what's good? Thank you. <laughs> Moon over Miami, what's good? Thanks for coming out. Appreciate the support. Stone Age Ball Pythons, what's good? Thanks for coming out. Appreciate the support. We're going to stop it right there. We're going to kick the intro, and then we're going to get right to the show. Uh, baby, baby, won't you listen to me? I got that flavor. I know you're dying to feed. I ain't no dancer. Just got some hip in my feet. Now throw your hands up. Ooh, you bring the lighter. I got the fuse. You make a fire. I'll add the fuel. Follow my lead. Just watch the shoes. Episode 84, Chimera. What's good, bro? Oh man, I love the uh, I love the blow horns there. Let everybody know <laughs> shit is about to go down. It's about it. to go down. <laughs> How you doing? Oh man, I'm living the dream. How about yourself? Yes, sir. Same man, living the dream, man. Enjoying this wonderful Thursday. Good oh, to see you. Yeah, for sure, man. I uh have you know I skipped a basketball to do this, so uh this is some serious stuff now. You skipped what now? Uh, basketball. So I, I play in a uh, a basketball league out here in Richmond, and so uh, oh yeah, yeah. It's normally honor, yeah, it's normally Thursday nights, and I was like, ah, I'll take one day off. It'll be fine. We'll be good. Okay. So I love. How it, long you know? been doing that? Uh the Richmond League. Uh, seven years, eight years. I played basketball my whole life though. So nice. Yeah, it's been a good time. What position you play? Uh, shooting guard and point guard. I'm a little nice. small for actual shooting guards, but you know it is what it is. So nice. That's what's up, bro. That's yeah, what's man. up. I love it, dude. I love it. So how's your season going? Uh, it's been good, man. It's uh so normally, you know, years before Andre and I merged, uh, my seasons always go obscenely early. So the stuff that normally would hatch or, or lay at my facility, uh, my season would be done and Andre's season would just be getting going. And so now that we merged. Uh, the season is very drawn out, so we're we're towards the end of it for sure. We probably have another ten clutches or so, and that'll put us just over a hundred. Um, but it's been good, man. Uh, the front, the beginning of the season was a little tough odds wise, 
Uh, but things are picking up now. And we're starting to finally hit some good odds and uh, make some money, hopefully. It's the goal, right? Was it tough odds-wise from, like, uh, sex odds, more odds, everything? No, it, felt, it felt like everything, man. It was, uh, <laughs> it was like we had females not proven out left and right, which was rough. And then, you know, you'd get a clutch, and you're like, God, I just need one male from this. And then you're like, how did I hit 11 females? That doesn't even make sense. <laughs> and you're just like, all right, that's cool. Um, and, you know, vice versa, so it all evens out at the end of the day. And like I said, the beginning of the season lulls are rough, but things are picking up. So there's no complaints. Yeah. I was riding high sex odds wise. Um, Cause I had like a couple clutches, clutches, like almost back to back. They were like very female heavy. So I knew okay. my luck was running out. Um, and today I hit a five one. So I was like, oh, yeah. yeah. And I really needed some females out of that too. Yeah. yeah I hit some like really nice males. And okay. hopefully the crew hit for clown as well. Nice. But yeah. 5.1. Yeah. It's, it's rough. I had that, um, I guess actually over the past like three years, I'd been trying really hard to hit just like a really nice clown pied male, like multi gene, you know, the works. And I kept hitting, and there's no complaints here, but I kept hitting like four and five gene clown pied females. I just couldn't hit a male to save my life. And I'm like, I can't complain about hatching nice animals, but God, it would be really nice to just fucking hit a male, you know? <laughs> so, yeah, man, it's um, a hard life, man. Multi gene. Clown pot females. The struggle is real. I know. I know. That's what I said. Like, I always felt bad. Like, I'd be talking to people, and people are like, "Oh, please tell me more of your sad story." I'm like, no, I'm not complaining. I'm just complaining. Let me have this, please. I shall now play for you the sad song, the world's smallest violin. I know. I know. I know. And it's fair. And look, like, we're blessed, right? We're still excited to hit the cool animals, and like, it's great. It's just sometimes, man, you just. God, it just feels like you can't hit the sex you need, right? Like, so, so we actually just had um, two monsoons crawl out of the egg. Oh, nice! And uh, super excited. First monsoons we've hatched here. Uh, both are posset lavender, and so really, really stoked. And Andre and I are like, we just need one of them to be a male. That's all we're asking for, just one male. And of course, they're both females. And you're like, oh, female, can't be upset. I can't because it's like I just hatched out two really cool snakes. But at the same time, you're like, I really needed a het lavender male. I don't appreciate you not working with me. No. <laughs> so. <laughs> so what was the pairing on that? Uh, yeah, it was a Mojave double het mons uh, double het monsoon lavender to a pastel het monsoon. So gotcha. Okay. <clears throat> yeah, man. Yeah, that's a pretty cool pair. Yeah, I was I was super excited. We um we bought that poshet. We actually bought the pastel het monsoon females a poshet years ago, and like m- monsoon is is pretty pretty easy to pick out as a pos head like i i you know on some level i'd argue it's probably not recessive it probably is incomplete dominant because of how easy it is to pick out but that's an argument for another day um and so when we bought it we felt pretty good it was going to prove out but there's always that moment right where you're still not 100 percent sure and so when the monsoons actually crawled out i felt much better about life for sure nice nice is there anyone else working like the monsoon lavender project yeah i mean i know um I mean, Justin is uh, Brittany Gobble hatched out some. I'm pretty sure they were monsoon het lavender poshet pieds. Okay. Posh triple heads, essentially. Um, And for some reason, I thought Jeremy Bod actually bought one too. I I remember seeing that a year or two ago. So I think there's some people working that. I I think that's kind of the logical direction for monsoon projects in general is to go with the color changing morph. So 100% lavender, desert ghost, uh, stuff like that. Uh, so I wouldn't be surprised if there's more people that just have stuff on the shelves that they're not sharing. I think that happens a lot in the industry. Yeah. Like some ultra male. That'd be nice. <clears throat> yeah. I know. Um, 
Sebastian and Adam up at so- Showcase Serpents. They've had a couple of years now putting in work on the Monsoon Ultramel stuff. So I don't know what all's on their shelves, but I wouldn't be surprised if within the next year or two they start hitting visual uh, Ultramel Sunset stuff. So I would love to see that. Yeah, I think sure. it's gonna be really good, man. I think it's gonna be sure. really good. Yeah. <laughs> so backing up a little bit. So how yeah. long have you been doing this? Yeah, so I got my first snake in 2012. Uh, okay. First, um, first clutch was. Uh, let's see. When did I get to Virginia? 2013. So first clutch was November of 2013 or September of 2013. I'm sorry. Uh, it was a killer pairing. It was a killer B to a normal. No big deal. Uh, <laughs> uh, and then it kind of grew steadily from there. But yeah, first snake was 2000. First ball Python was 2012. Uh, first clutch was 2014. And you know, kind of just gone from there. Nice, nice. So what what kind of attracted you to uh, the ball pythons? Had you been working with snake before or reptiles before? Or was that- no, so, I mean, like all of us, right? I, I've always loved reptiles and had, you know, a draw to them. I think we all have. Um, so I actually had a dog die, and I was, like, absolutely devastated and heartbroken. And, and I was like, the way to solve this in my head was to get a pet tortoise because tortoises live forever, right? That, that was the logic for young Patrick. And so I... Went to the reptile show, found a sulcata because clearly that's the best decision to make. Uh, <laughs> I bought a sulcata, and while I was there, I saw a uh, a mystic potion in a pied, um, and I was like, "Dude, those things are fucking awesome!" And so went home. You know, for a few weeks, I was looking up at like World of Ball Python, and I was just looking at like them and like really starting to like, "Oh, these are really cool." And then like in my mind, I was like. I'm going to get a pet snake because maybe I can handle it a little bit more than I can the tortoise. And there's a little more interaction there. Right. And so funny saying that out loud now, but it is the mindset <laughs> that we were at there. <clears throat> and so I went back to the reptile show and started seeing how much they were right. Crazy money. And I was like, Whoa, like this is intense. Uh, and then I ended up talking with Bob Clark and okay. he was telling me about how, you know, he turned it into a career and I had no idea at this point who Bob Clark was. Right. And he's telling me about all this stuff. And, I have no idea how big of a deal he was in the industry at this point. And uh, he convinced me that like, you know, this isn't a bad like side thing to have. He's like, even if you don't want it to be a business, like there's money to be made and you get to pay for your hobby and have really cool looking animals. And I was like, that's a good call. And so I started looking and we got some money together and uh, I ended up buying a killer bee males, the first animal, great decision. Uh, And then I bought a pair of pastel clowns as my second and third animal. And then it kind of grew from there. so yeah, it's kind of like, you know, it all started unfortunately with a dog dying. It was heartbreaking. And then uh the tortoises got things going. And then, you know, we've kind of rolled from there. You still have the tortoise? Oh fuck, man. Yeah. Uh <laughs> so uh some people know, uh, maybe not everybody. So we have the most famous tortoise picture on the internet. Uh if you've ever seen a picture of a giant tortoise removing a toilet from a bathroom, like headbutting it and knocking it out of the floor, that's oh, our tortoise. Wow. Uh that's him okay. actually. Yeah, he's a giant dick. Um, <laughs> so, yeah, so we actually have uh, four tortoises. Uh, we have Mega Turtle, who's that guy who's about, he's probably about 140 pounds now, maybe 150. Oh, wow. oh no, he's he's a beast. That's he's a tank. Huge. Yeah. <clears throat> yeah. Uh, and then we have two smaller ones, two medium-sized ones, uh, Big and Medium Turtle, appropriately named. Uh, they're both <laughs> probably 60 to 80 pounds at this point. And then we have Baby Turtle, which is the lone female, unfortunately, for her. And she's probably like maybe 25, 30 pounds. She just started laying eggs over the past couple of years. But yeah, man, we got a fucking zoo here. It's a, it's it's out of control. <laughs> nice. And so you picked up, you had the killer bee. 
you had a couple pastel clowns and then so what did the collection building look like like going forward like over those first few years oh dude oh so um so it initially started the first animal stayed in a guest bedroom in a plywood rack that i built um and then when we moved to virginia the animals lived in like a guest bedroom and we bought an ars rack but obviously didn't have enough snakes to fill the ars rack so half of the rack was my wife and i's uh dresser and then the other half was for snakes <laughs> so um yeah uh so it kind of stayed that way for the first year um my first year of grad school we bought a house or i guess at the end of my first year of grad school we bought a house and part of the house buying process was getting a house that had a detached building that we could convert into, you know, the snake building. Cause the goal kind of was to turn it into a business and grow from mm-hmm. there. Um, and so that's actually ironically where we've been ever since. So it's, it's about 500 ish, maybe 600 square feet. Um, that was a detached garage that we completely renovated and, you know, ran electrical work through and, you know, made it really nice. And, uh, so the snakes and the tortoises lived in there during the winter. And then the tortoises live outside uh, during the summer. And then we have a rat building behind uh, the snake building. And yeah, so that's kind of what it's been since. Nice, nice. Yeah, yeah you hear that, Takara? So we we should get another rat because we can use like two drawers for like clothes. But absolutely. Everything just, yeah. yeah, that sounds reasonable to me. Dude, <laughs> yeah, it was very reasonable. <laughs> dude, it, it, it was just that moment where my wife's like, what, what are we going to do? We don't need that much space. And I'm like, yeah, but we don't have a dresser. And those drawers are pretty big. And she's like, I can't believe I'm using a snake rack for a cloth or for, you know, clothes. And I was like, this is where we're at. This is what you married. I hope you're happy. You got to improvise. That's what you got to do it, right? It's, <laughs> it's a cost saving measure. It's just making money, basically. Absolutely. Absolutely. <laughs> and so how long did it take you to kind of like get your bearings about you as far as uh, like the whole business aspect of it? Oh, uh, dude. Um, at, this is such a hard question for me to answer. Um, so, so real quick, like prior to snakes, um, and just my my whole childhood growing up, I come from a very I come from a very entrepreneurial family. So, like, okay, my 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 granddad started and found his own business. My uncles, like, everybody's all about not working for somebody else, right? So, the whole entrepreneurial mindset was like kind of built in from day one of birth. Um, I was the kid that was buying and selling Pokemon cards and sports cards growing up and trying to swindle their friends out of their dollars. Right. Um, <laughs> so like I I've always had that mindset. So when I bought the first snakes and really thought like, this is going to be a business. I really, um, I thought it was a business then. Right. And in my mind, like this is a business and I tried to treat it that way, but I have the exceptional talent of finding the banana peel, no matter what, like things could be going perfectly. And I find a banana peel. And so it took a long time, honestly, to get real, like what I'd say is traction. Um, we we had some mishaps in like 2015, 2016. We let some people into the building. They brought mites in. Things went dramatically downhill from there. We had a lot of struggles. And, and honestly, um, we almost got completely out. You know, I did in, in 2017. I basically was at this point where I couldn't get things rolling. I was struggling and it didn't make sense to me because I hadn't struggled like that before in business. And I ended up basically having a conversation with my wife and I was like, look, here's the deal. We've spent years doing all of this. We've, you know, invested every extra penny that we have into this. This is supposed to be a retirement or this isn't supposed to be a money hole. And I was like, I have these females, you know, I figured it was like 10, 14 females and they were all clown combo things, right. That I've been raising up and spent everything on. I was like, 
I want to take the last like $8,000 that we have and I want to buy a crazy powerful male. And if we can't make X number of dollars off of this male with these females that are primed and ready to go, this isn't the industry for us. We just can't make this work. Uh, and she thought it was a little dumb, but she was like, you know what? Like, this is it. Like, let's give it the go. And so we ended up buying a uh, Firefly. Let's see, was a Firefly, Leopard, Spot Nose, Red Stripe, Pet Clown. And this was like right as the Pompeii stuff was going crazy. Okay. And breeder male from Justin. And, uh, you know, ran it through all the females, ended up getting some crazy clutches and made some money. And I think that's really where probably traction really started. Because at that moment, I was like, okay, the system works. We just need to do better about the animals that we're buying and, and how we're really doing this, right? And I think that's really where, for me, like some of the, the switch flipped of like, it's not just about how many clutches you make. It's about the quality of clutches that you're making. Just because you produce 200 clutches doesn't mean you're going to make a lot of money. Matter of fact, a lot of people I know that produce a lot of clutches don't make much money. Um, and so that really flipped the switch. And then Andre and I met in 2016, I think. So right around that same time. And Andre always had that mindset from the get-go of like quality over quantity. It was a much better outlook. And so having Andre come into my life at that moment and then have, you know, the realization myself and see it in the works, I think is really where the traction started going. Um, and then I think we really became like a real business, honestly, like last year. Um, and I only say that from like, everything has always been treated like a business. You know, we have our account, we, we treat it like a true business, but it feels very different when you scale from 20, 30 clutches to like a hundred. And so when Andre and I merged and like all of the things that we did on small scale no longer worked, and we really had to start like figuring out how to grow as a company and, and, and deal with growth and deal with payroll and deal with expenses and all this other stuff. I think that's really where it became a real business. And uh, it's been one of the more exciting parts of it where we're surviving that aspect. And I was really worried that the growth and the scaling was going to be where we died and uh, things are going well. So that's the exciting part. So I think, you know, the traction, like I said, was probably 16, 17. And then with how we're doing this year and how things are going, I think is where I really have like the most confidence in, in the future, to be honest. Gotcha. Okay. So yeah, that makes perfect sense. There's actually a couple of things um, from that, that I want to unpack yeah. a little bit. Yeah. I guess we can just kind of start with like what, what you last said, or actually let's back up a little bit further. Yeah. And you start talking about like how just kind of like your quality over quantity uh -huh. mindset. So what were you, bringing in then or what were you breeding then and kind of how did you like change your whole your thought process and like like yeah. what was making the cut what wasn't making the cut and how are you deciding that yeah so i i was fortunate early on that justin and i connected and justin had always talked about focusing on recessives he always has he's always preached that and it's, it's a great mentality obviously um my bigger issue early on was i wasn't looking at five or ten years down the road i was looking at two years down the road and while that may sound crazy to some people, that's actually how you die in this industry. Because if your goal can be reached in two years, everybody else's goal can also be reached in two years. And most people can survive two years to get to that goal. What I've found in the industry is, is getting outside that you know three, four-year window and down to the projects that take five, 10 years to do. Most people don't have the patience or desire to. And so there's less of those animals. And it's just harder to get to them in general. Um, and so we started shifting the pairings and, and the vision, I guess, from 
making like single gene clowns or double or multi-gene clowns, right? It's still a single recessive. And at the end of the day, with a normal clown female and a nice, you know, multi-gene het clown male, you can hit those snakes. And so it's relatively speaking, well, well, I get some of those combos are hard. Leponte is hard to make, right? Less than 10 have probably ever been made. But at the end of the day, all you really need is a multi-gene male that's het for clown and a clown female, and you can get there. And that's pretty accessible to most people at this point. Whereas if you're talking about triple recessives, right? You got to be, you're, you're looking at five to 10 years of work unless you're buying specifically into that project. It doesn't matter what, you know, if you want to start from the get-go even and buy a clown pied male and a hypo female, you're, you're six years best case scenario from hitting a triple and you have to buy your way into that stuff. And so I think that was where that was, was realizing the long-term planning and shifting the pairings there. And then learning that um, it's not just about hitting the end goal either. The best part about these 10-year projects is you're selling pieces through the whole time that you're producing stuff. So, you know, like with the trip, like the Hypo Clown Pied project for us, uh, we, we produce Hypo Clown Pieds. They're great. I love making them. But some of the best selling stuff we have are Clown Pied Head Hypos and Hypo Pied Head Clowns, right? $2,500, $3,000 animals that are integral pieces that took a long time to get to, but they're byproducts for us at this point because we're making triples that we're holding back and things like that. But we're able to sell those pieces and pay the bills and pay for other stuff. Nice, nice, nice. And you also talked about like scaling and some of the challenges there. Yeah. So can you uh, dig deeper in like some of those challenges and maybe uh, speak to some lessons learned and what's oh. kind of still giving you a little bit of a challenge? Yeah, sure. Uh, so inventory management to begin with. Um, most, I, I go overkill probably on record keeping. Um, that just comes Troy's from the gonna side. going to give you a hard time. Oh, <laughs> thanks, Troy. Did. I love you, Troy. Um, I probably go mildly overkill when it comes to record keeping, but at the end of the day, this is a business. And if the IRS comes in and uh, wants to audit us, I need to be able to account for every animal we've sold where every dollars come from all of that stuff. And so it's one thing to keep track of 20 or 30 sales or 50 sales or even a hundred sales, but you know, we're probably going to move 2000 animals this year. Nice. And so keeping track of, you know, that many animals and not just like, oh, I sold it to X person, but also the date that I sold them, the exact amount that it costs, um, the shipping cost for that person, because that's, you know, keeping track of costs is also an important aspect to make sure you're profitable in that thing. And so it's just having systems in place for your record keeping and your accounting um, is one of the parts that was tough for scaling. Um, also, underestimating the time it takes to do stuff. It's really easy to change water dishes and spot clean, you know, 200 snakes when it's 1500 snakes, it's dramatically different. And so having systems in place to kind of keep up with that stuff. And then, um, you know, you start bringing in employees, right. And an employee comes in to help and you have to stay on top of them and make sure that they're actually following the procedures that you put into place. Um, and they're not, you know, slowing down on that or not taking good care of the animals. So you have, you know, that aspect. Um, Trying to think of some others that are the record keeping was the hardest for us, to be honest. And that was we we had to completely I had to custom build a bunch of shit to be able to really keep track of just everything and make sure things run smoothly. Because it's not. It's not like I said, it's not just even the inventory management, right? It It's tying in like so Andre does all of our sales. So if you're communicating to someone on Morph Market, it's Andre. Um, and so when Andre sells a snake, he goes into a Google sheet. 
he inputs the customer information, the sale price, and then the ID number for that animal, which then reports to another Google sheet to tell me to make an invoice, which then reports and lets, you know, the shipping system know like these animals need to be shipped on X date. And, and so you have all of those things communicating and it, you don't really need that if it's a few animals, but when you're dealing with, you know, 20, 30 animals a week that you're trying to ship, you have to have some system to keep track of that stuff. So it's, so, it's yeah. Now I was going to say, would you say mm -hmm. it's a smart idea? Like if you're thinking about growing, if you're thinking about like getting a lot larger than you are, and especially like right now, while uh, I don't want to say like it's a, a down market but like maybe no, maybe fair. it might yeah. be a little bit slower or whatever would yeah. you say that it's a smart idea to like start focusing on some of that stuff so you can scale up so i i think if you can do it naturally right where it's not like inconvenient because i will i will also say this part um i think that whatever standard operating protocols you use they need to be relatively easy to stick to because most people don't stick to stuff that's tough yeah. And so it needs to come relatively natural to you. And it, maybe that means you put a little bit of work into really staying on top of stuff, but I think it needs to be something that's easy. I don't think most people are going to scale past like 50 clutches. So I think some of the issues we run into are probably not things you need to worry about. If you do want to get to those numbers and you do want to be, you know, somebody that's doing 50 plus clutches or 100 clutches. Yeah, I would start looking at your systems now and how your record keeping looks. And like, if I asked you like, hey, this snake ID that you sold, like, can you give me details on it? Um, being able to answer questions like that, if you can't do it on a small collection, you're going to drown on a big collection. Um, and so I think, yeah, it just depends on the mentality. I don't think it's something I would worry about unless it was like specifically a plan of mine. Like, yeah, I really want to get to this size. But then I would also ask the question of like, why do I want to get to this size? Um, oh, because I think some people are like, oh, I want to make 100 clutches a year. That's going to be great. And it's like, that's a lot of work, guys. I guess a lot <laughs> of work. Like, I, I think once again, it goes back to like, I don't think we appreciate or uh, understand how much effort it really starts taking at scale. Um, it's a lot. You know, small, small collections are relatively easy to stay on top of things can spiral quickly and and with a large collection too if you're not on top of it you know if if you're not making sure the females are happy right you're not changing bedding constantly you're not making sure they're eating um they don't produce and if they don't produce you don't make money and if you don't make money it all goes downhill very fast so i think that's also part of it a hundred percent a hundred percent so what does y'all's routine look like as far as like the upkeep of the snakes and stuff yeah, so uh, right now it's Mondays and Wednesdays are spot cleaning and water days. Tuesdays are shipping days for us. Uh, Thursdays are feed days and Fridays are days where whatever stuff has to be done that hasn't been able to be done throughout the week gets taken care of. So generally projects, you know, whatever that's maintenance in the building or, you know, uh, going for me, going back over all of the records and making sure that I didn't screw anything up during the week so that Andre's not mad at me. Uh, you know, it's stuff like that. But uh, the main the main work days are Monday through Thursday for the animal care and, and taking care of that. And then during hatchling season, obviously, all of those hours get extended as, you know, you're pulling clutches and setting stuff up because every day turns into checking bins to make sure there's no clutches or there are clutches. And then actually checking on those clutches once hatchling season really gets rolling. Gotcha. Gotcha. Yeah. And so, like, you mentioned a number of times, like, just collecting, like, a, a lot of data, right? So, yeah. <laughs> Are you 
only using that data for like when someone has a specific question or are you kind of like going back and like looking oh. at it like doing analysis and stuff like oh that? yeah 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 man so i uh so i i have a data so i have a phd in biochemistry and molecular biology and a part of that was a lot of data science and, oh, and nice. now i have a i have a job where i work at the university of virginia and i do data science there as well and so i'm very big on the data so everything we collect we use so when you know when we talk about like pricing specifically some of it is kind of just letting your ancestors guide you. Um, but a lot of our pricing is very data driven and our price changes are also very data driven. So when we, when we set a price on an animal, it's based on uh, generally previous sales that we have for stuff similar to that. And then if we don't have previous sales to go off, we'll dig into morph market and we'll look at what's currently on the market that's similar or the same. We'll look at how long it's been sitting at said price points. We'll look at what's previously sold and we'll kind of pull all that data together and combine it with some of our stuff and kind of make a decision based on pricing. And then every week I pull all of our morph market data so I can look at impressions, clicks, inquiries, and I look at changes week to week. And we base that stuff on our price adjustments every two weeks. Um, and then it also helps us look at like our advertising and seeing if it's being beneficial that week or if we need to adjust some stuff. So yeah, the data is used for everything basically. Nice. <clears throat> and speaking of advertising, like what are you finding that's some of the most effective advertising so far? Yeah. So honestly, man, uh, we, we've been, uh, we've been crushing Instagram. Uh, it, it's shot been shockingly effective. Um, what we found is, so we have one picture that we use that like one ad that's like, uh, has been very effective. So, so you pay per click essentially. So we send them to our morph market is where the advertising is going, sending straight to our store specifically. I'm aware that once they get there, if they get bored with our stuff, they can go and look at other people's things. It is what it is. This is what we deal with at the moment. So uh, we send them through, uh, I have a link tree that we use that directly redirects people to Morph Market. So I noticed all, that. Like at first I thought I clicked on their own thing. I was yeah. Like, <laughs> so the reason I do it is it makes it easier for me to look at daily clicks because link tree gives us metrics for uh, tracking people uh, when they click on that link. And so it lets me look and say like, oh, okay, I got 200 people in our store today that at least went to my store today. Um, so that's why we use the link tree. Um, so we have one ad that uh, sends people there and, and, and we basically look at the, the price per click, right? And so the idea is how much am I paying to have somebody click on a link to go look at my store? And so we have one ad that, that performs between 23 and 30 cents a click. And that's like really, that's great. And so we have that as like our standing ad that we'll just keep running that until it stops performing well. And then we have a secondary ad that is like our, our newcomer ad, right? And we try new stuff. And if that ad ever gets to where it's performing better than the you know current champion, we'll swap them out. But until then, we just keep swapping out ads until we find something else that competes as well. So, yeah. Gotcha. And I hate to ask you how the sausage is made, but what do you think yeah. it is about that? Uh, the champion ad that, that makes it like work so well. It's really funny. <laughs> so it's uh it's basically like and it, it this is not relatively unique to this. I, I saw the ad years ago from somebody else but it's basically like a microsoft uh microsoft paint like picture and then there's a snake in the middle of it and it says our marketing team quit please buy our snakes it's really dumb but it's kind of funny <laughs> we get a lot of response from it um and so right. yeah yeah so i think it's just clever um and it's a cool looking snake right so in the picture it's a hypo clown pied and so I think it's a cool looking snake. It's kind of like, it's funny. And so I think it gets people, if nothing else, just to click on and be like, oh, that's interesting to go look at. Nice, nice. That's what's yeah. up. 
Yeah, that, that is pretty cool. I'm gonna have to uh, go take a look at that. Yeah, yeah. So um, earlier you you'd mentioned, and I heard you miss, mentioned this on late to the mic as well, and I want to talk about that as well later on. Oh, absolutely! I can't wait. Earlier you mentioned um, like you had let somebody in the facility and, yeah. and they brought in mites, and so like yeah. break that down for us, like kind of tell us what happened and kind of yeah, give us some beats. Yeah, it was rough, dude. Um, it it it's uh, I'll get to this in a second. It's rough. Um, yeah, so, so somebody came in, uh, somebody from grad school that I knew, um, they had wanted to buy a ball Python from me. And at the time I was very open on letting people into the facility and I was like, yeah, come look at my stuff. I was so proud of it. Right. And so they come in and they're there for, you know, an hour, an hour and a half, whatever. And then they, and then they dart. And then, uh, about a week later, I, I noticed in the rack that they had been messing with stuff in, I, I noticed a mite or two and I was like, man, that's that's weird. Like nothing else has come in the collection. Like, huh, that's not good. And so I kind of treat like, and, and this is like relatively speaking earlier, I did not fully understand like how to properly deal with mites, right? This is the first interaction with any of this stuff. And so I treated the few snakes that I saw and the mites that I saw, and I, I kind of moved on and I didn't worry about it. What I didn't realize was like another rack had like also been building this little infection because, you know, the mites wander and they spread. And so a few days later, we had like, you know, full blown mite outbreak and just things went, things went from like, oh shit to like, holy fuck within a week or two. Right. And, and so I'm at this point, I'm just like, I don't know what to do. So we literally are pulling the racks out of the building. I'm trying to clean stuff off. Like it it was rough. Um, And at this point, this is like right at the beginning of hatchling season. So I have to stop selling entirely because I can't sell stuff with mites. And so I move everything out of the building, clean everything off. I take all of my hatchlings. I wash every single one. And fortunately at the time, I think I had like 50 or 60 hatchlings, right? I wash each and every one of them, make sure they're perfectly clean, put them on preventamite, bring those in the house so they're completely separate so that we can watch and quarantine those. And then move the incubator into the house so that it was separate from the building. So the only thing left were the adults right in there. And then proceeded to battle with mites in the adult building for about three or four months. But like part of that process too was we had an RI and one female had an RI and then it got spread. And I I assume it was from the mites. I don't know for sure, but like basically one female got it. And then a day or two later, two or three more females had it. And within two weeks we had probably lost a hundred thousand dollars in animals that just started dying. Um, and so we had this massive die-off. This whole time, we're testing for NIDO. We're testing for everything that we know of, and nothing's coming back positive. So we're just like, what the fuck is going on? Um, and so finally, like, we get rid of the mites. We we clean up everything. We, you know, any healthy, any animals that were always healthy and never showed signs of anything were moved to a different area. And then we were testing, you know, testing them every couple of months to make sure. And then any animals that did have issues were either, they were euthanized. Like, it was... Yeah, man, it was out of control. Um, it was, it was pretty close to us getting out. Like that was that was a hard moment to try and recover from that. Um, so yeah. So uh, when the reason I feel comfortable saying it was the person that brought the mites. About a week later, she let me know that they had mites in her collection, uh, uh, and I was like, "How long have you had mites?" She's like, "Well, we saw some like a month ago, but we thought we got rid of them." And I was like, "Fucking a." And so that was kind of like the the catalyst for me being like, I'm pretty confident. Um, yeah, pretty confident that it uh it started there. 
And so, yeah, so we got rid of the mites. Uh, probably, I think I think the building was mite-free probably middle of 2017, maybe end of 2017. And uh, that whole experience completely changed every bit of operating procedures we had when it came to animals. Um, so, A, no one's allowed in the building. Even Andre wasn't allowed in the building for years. Um, and then... <laughs> um, then we moved to our quarantine process, which previously we kept them in a separate rack, but we still kept them in the main building. And so then we moved to, we have a rack inside of our house in a guest closet, in a guest bedroom, in a closet. So literally as removed from human interaction as humanly possible. Um, so, you know, there's an air gap, there's a space gap. The mites really got to put some effort in. If they're going to, if they're going to jump buildings, <laughs> like, you know. Um, and then on top of that, when, I get like when we get a new animal, um, the first thing we do is we bring it in the house. Uh, I open it up in the quarantine space. Uh, it goes, you know, it's treated with frontline right away. It's NIDO tested right away. It's put into the quarantine rack. And then that box is thrown into a special trash can that's separate, you know, completely separate from the house and the building. Um, and then my clothes go into the washing machine immediately so that anybody that's there and then I take a shower. So, um completely insanely overkill but i'm very happy to say uh we've had zero outbreaks since that initial one and we've had zero uh nido tests in our collection that come back positive so like it's been a very clean collection ever since that day um it was a really fucking hard lesson to learn but it's one of the big things that i i try and talk to people about is like quarantine is incredibly uh, valuable it doesn't matter how expensive the snake is that you buy it's not more valuable than your collection and you really got to safeguard that collection. And it doesn't matter if you know or trust the person, um, you should quarantine them anyway. It doesn't matter who we get an animal from. We quarantine everything. Um, even before Andre and I merged, like when we would do breeding projects together, we would quarantine each other's snakes and we were in each other's buildings and we knew what was going on in there. So it, yeah, it's super serious, man. Oh yeah. Yeah. Worth it. So it sounds like you stepped it up like big time as far as like all that goes. I remember like early when I was uh first like buying snakes and first getting into reptiles, uh, I met this person locally. Like it was uh -huh. like this uh young lady and like her boyfriend, I guess it was, and it was to get a boa. And so like I was asking questions about the boa and stuff like that. And then like she was like kind of giving me the rundown on it. Uh -huh. And then the guy says, Should we tell him about the mites? Oh my god. And I'm like, should you tell me about the mites? Yeah, you should tell me about the mites. Oh, What's up with the mites? Oh, well, oh my we god, a, we had a mite outbreak uh not too long ago, but oh everything's been fine. It was from our roommate, uh reptiles, but I uh, everything's fine now. But like you weren't uh, gonna tell me that, like, should you tell dude. me about like what? <laughs> oh, I I would not have handled it well. I I oh. she probably Please. like slapped him when she got in the car. She's like <laughs> Jesus Christ, man. Jesus I was like, no, nah, hard pass, hard pass. I would have I would have lost my shit. I mean, honestly, even when we meet like local people and I'm dropping stuff off, I still come home, drip down, take a shower. Like I'm still paranoid. And I realize that there's like, you know, basically zero chance that stuff's coming in. I just, it's just not worth the risk anymore, man. I'm just terrified of it. So yeah, that's, that sucks though. I'm, I'm sorry to hear that. And people are dumb sometimes, aren't they? <laughs> Facts. So that was a, a tough experience. So what do you think kind of like kept you going? Like going through something like that. And oh man. Um, so I uh man, 
so so I think one of my best traits and also one of my worst traits is is perseverance. And when I say that, it's less perseverance and it's really more thick-headedness. I don't like not completing a task. I um when I start something, I really want to finish it because if I don't, I feel like a failure. Um, it's probably the reason I survived grad school. I'm not always the brightest person, but uh, I'm definitely willing to outwork people and try and get through the end. And so, yeah, man, I think it was honestly I didn't want to. I didn't want to have to go to people and say I couldn't. I couldn't make it work. I think my pride and uh, and just the lack of wanting to be, admit that I failed at something is is why I stuck through that. Um, because I don't I don't have a better answer. I don't know why else. Like it seems kind of dumb to stick it through all that stuff, right? Like it sucked. Like that was rough. Like I think that's about as bad as it gets, really. And yeah, I think it was just stupidity, maybe. I don't know. Yeah, I wouldn't say I wouldn't say it was dumb, man. I mean, if you <laughs> would have given up, man, like yeah, I mean, here, you're right. Now, yeah, kill it. You're yeah. right, but man, and, and I think that's part. Maybe before FOMO was a thing or called a thing, right? Maybe that's what it was. I think that's part of like the fear of failure is like, you don't know how close you are to success. And I think that's something a lot of people, sometimes they give up right before they get to success. And I'm so afraid of that, that sometimes it's crippling. And sometimes I definitely um, put too much effort into a lost cause. Look, this isn't, you know, on the same level, but the other day uh, we were trying to print out shipping labels. And for some reason, the formatting wasn't working. And I spent like an hour and a half trying to get the stupid formatting to work. And Andre came in and he's like, what are we doing? And I'm like, it won't fucking work. And he's like, what? What do you mean? I'm like, there's gray lines on it. He's like, but we can see everything. I was like, yeah, but there's gray lines and there's not supposed to be gray lines. And he's like, it's okay. I'm like, but you're right. And it's just like, it's that right there though, right? Like I got stuck in this rut of like, I have to make this label look right. And that's the mission that needs to happen. And I was I lost track of time. I just got stuck in it. And it's that same, that same thing of like, I couldn't go to Andre and be like, I couldn't get it to work. That's just, I just hate saying those words. And so I think that's, you know, you're right though. It's, it's, you know, it is what it is. So. And I noticed too, kind of like along those same lines, like I noticed that y'all like really like pay a lot of attention to detail. Cause like, even when I got my snake in and just like having like the postcard with like the cool message and then just like the branding or the packaging, yeah. like, like, all that was on point. All of that was on Thanks, point. Thanks, man. Yeah, that, that makes sense. It, it's, um, I got to give Andre a lot of credit for a lot of that. I, I cared about it. And I think I bring, I probably bring more attention to detail on that, like the minutiae. But he definitely came up with the idea of doing a lot of that, where he was like, no, this doesn't look good. We need to do better. Right. And so it's even like stuff like the crinkle paper. Like, I know it drives some people crazy, but I think it adds to a really good presentation, right? Like you're on, you're going through this crinkle paper and it looks good. And that was Andre. And he was, he was like, you know, we should probably come up with like a, a, some kind of postcard to do. And I'm like, all right, well, let's do it. And then, you know, I get stuck in this rut and, you know, we get going on that stuff. Um, and, and he is unapologetically harsh sometimes where he'll be like, no, nah, it just looks bad. And I'm like, I just spent four hours on this. He's like, it looks bad. And I'm like, okay, I'll try again. Um, and so I think like, that's, you know, I think the presentation is really important if you want to come out and you want to say like, I'm really a professional company and this is why you should buy from us. You know, if you look at Miguel, you look at Justin, you look at some of the big guys out there, right? Look at what their presentation, look at their marketing. I think it's an important aspect of it. And I think also not just doing it, but doing your best to do it well, because mm -hmm. if it doesn't look great, then you just look like you are a, a wannabe or a has been and not really like putting the effort in to do the tiny details.
A hundred percent, a hundred percent. Like after I saw that, like I went to my Canva like later on and start like working on my own postcard. Love and it. I haven't even like moved forward with it because it's not where I want it, right? And I'm yeah. keep, like tweaking it until it's like where I want it because I, I do want it to look professional. I do want it to look right. But yeah, that's a nice touch. I mean, just like all those little kind of like value add, like extra step yeah. to make you stand out. Like I think that goes a long way in my opinion. I it it surprised me. Um, it has surprised me how the little things do stick out. So so in March uh, at Tinley, I I brought you know a crap ton of t-shirts and then lanyards to just hand out to people because I was like, let's hand out some t-shirts because those are cool, and then let's hand out lanyards because everybody needs a lanyard, right? And it su- has surprised me since then how many people remember or still use their lanyards and the t-shirts, but also like remember like watching me like wander around the fucking show with a suitcase behind my back right <laughs> and it's you're right though it's the little things though and it's kind of turned into now we have lanyards at every show and they're distinct for each show right and so it's kind of become this thing where people are like oh what's the new lanyard look like and it, it does it helps people remember what you're doing and it's not that big of a thing right like making lanyards takes 30 minutes out of my day and then we order a couple of hundred of them and it's great but it's a small thing that people remember and they like Nice, nice. Yeah. Now I want to do a real quick pause uh, to shout yeah. out sponsors, and then we're gonna come back. And I want to uh, chat about uh, late to the mic and a couple other things. I, yeah, let's I do it, man. Talk about like how y'all ended up merging too, but we'll be right back. Yeah, yeah. Peace and love, family. We invite you into the heart of our serenity, ancestral royal pythons. At Ancestral Royal Pythons, we're not just breeders, we're nurturers of love and growth. Each of our high-end ball pythons is a tribute to the grandeur of the natural world and our dedication to quality. Reach out today and bring one of our creations into your home. This is Ancestral Royal Pythons. Your journey begins here. Here's to the exciting world of ebony and ivory reptiles. From unforgettable parties and events to keeping and hatching some of the dopest reptiles in the reptile hobby, we're all about education, quality, integrity, and respect. Hit us up and see how we can help make your next project a reality. Experience Ebony and Ivory Reptiles, where fascination meets fun. Ebony and Ivory Reptiles. Shout out to the sponsors. I love that so much, man. I love that the little ebony and ivory reptiles. I love it so much, man. Oh, that is so good. I love that. Yeah, I love that. That's one of my favorite sound bites, man. Like when I was was talking with Matt about uh making the uh the ad, I was like, man, we gotta get that in in there. We gotta get that in there. That's so good. That's so good. So do you make the ads with them? Those are those are good ads, man. Yeah, yeah. So uh we uh we work and so we just basically like ask like what kind of messaging and stuff like that. Yeah. We just try to like put together like some imagery and messaging and stuff that kind of fits the vibe. I appreciate it, bro. Yeah, man, appreciate that's cool. It. These I mean those are like actual commercials, like those are real nice. <laughs> like that's cool. That. Appreciate that, bro. Yeah, appreciate it. Um, so speaking of uh yeah. or chimera. Yeah. How long have y'all been Chimera and kind of like what led to y'all uh joining up? Yeah. And just based on the name, I can kind of like figure out like the story yeah. behind the name, but uh, go ahead. With yeah. You. Um, yeah. So, so we officially became Chimera in February actually of this year. Um, we started talking about it in September, October of last year. 
Uh, Andre, Andre and I had honestly almost from day one, like we just we met in this uh, in a parking lot of a creepy barbecue place. I was buying a snake from him, <laughs> and uh, I feel like we clicked pretty quick. And, and it's ironic because like that day we probably talked for three or four hours in the parking lot just about snakes and everything else. And I didn't realize at the time, and I never would have guessed, but Andre is very introverted, and we just like connected and i'm the opposite i'm i'm obscenely extroverted to probably an exhausting degree but um <laughs> he uh we clicked and it just worked well and then and then i don't know maybe a week or two later he called me at like 11 30 at night and he was working the night shift at the time and and he just started calling me every day and we were just talking and like the friendship really like just kind of took off from day one it felt like um and then we went to tinley together for the first time and i thought we were going to kill each other because that's where really where like the the opposites really showed i i uh i love junk food and everything else and he's like you know verges on uh, you know crispy hippie at times and <laughs> so uh there's some clashes there but it was a good time right and so we started really talking a lot about projects and working you know working through ideas together and we would do breeder loans here and there um and then we started doing more of that together and and then you know, he moved closer to where I lived. And so then it was, he would help me when I needed help with stuff. And then we started breeding rats together. And so we really had almost everything intermingled besides the snake collection itself for a couple of years. Like we did a lot together in most of our stuff. I mean, to the point where Justin thought that we were partners far longer than, you know, we actually were. And, and so then uh towards the end of last year he kind of came to me and andre was just like what do you think about merging companies and i was like well let's talk about it like i know we we'd made jokes about it kind of in the past but like what does that really look like and why would we do that and so we started just like kind of going down a pros and cons list and we both were like i think this is a good idea let's see what our wives think right and so we told our wives and and they ironically they were like we think it's a good idea but the question is when y'all disagree how do you fix that because you two disagree i was like <laughs> all right that's i mean that was fair right and so then we talked to a couple of other of our friends and and the question continuously came back to when you'll have a disagreement how do you fix that because they were like everything else makes sense they're like but it's really hard to like have just two people and each one of them has 50 50 and therefore there's no definitive boss right um and so we were like, okay, let's, you know, write up everything. And then we basically have a chair for our company. And so there's, it's a three member board. And so we have a third person that has no equity in the company. Their whole role essentially is if Andre and I are fighting about something they solve, they're the, the deciding vote. And so like we came up with that solution and then we were like, all right, let's make this happen. And so then the next question was the name of the company, right? And we were trying so hard to come up with something and it just wasn't, it just wasn't coming naturally. And just like, I don't know, man, like this, this fucking sucks. Like, this is frustrating. <laughs> and, and then just one night he called me and he's like, Chimera. And I was like, I like it. And he's like, I think this is what it needs to be. He's like, it kind of works. It's two coming to one. He's exactly. like, I think this is it, man. And I was like, let's see if we can do it. Like, and so we started looking and, and there are some other, you know, there is, there's a consulting company called Chimera. And I was like, whatever, they're not in our industry. That's fine um there's a there's a chimera reptiles that does like geckos and frogs and i'm like once again not super worried about that i was like i think we're good man i think we just roll with it and we tried to actually buy 
just the straight username Chimera off of Instagram because it's a single person that owns it, but they just wouldn't respond to us and it was a little hurtful, but it's fine. Um, I've moved on. <laughs> um, so yeah, so we came up with the name and uh, so we officially merged businesses in February and collections actually finished merging uh, about two weeks ago. The building was finished. And so all breeders are in one building and all hatchlings and holdbacks are in a separate building that's you know separate from everyone else. So, yeah. so what was the uh, process for like merging the animals like in the collection? It sounds like y'all did it kind of like piecemeal and kind of like what drove kind of your approach. Yeah. To logistics? yeah. So the honest answer of what drove the process was uh, we, we needed to make modifications to my building to fit the adults. So, so originally if we backtrack a bit, the original plan was to put up a new building entirely and okay. then move everything into a new building. We ran, fortunately, very fortunately, we ran into some issues with contractors and delays and it basically came down to the, the building wouldn't be finished till the end of this year. And we were like, well, it doesn't make sense to do that. And so then the question came up of like, we can spend 200,000, $300,000 on a building, or we can make some modifications to my current building. And then Andre and his family were already planning on moving. And so we were like, all right, why don't you move and the business will take over your property? And so we basically were like, if we do that, that helps y'all out because it takes over the house. Y'all get to move to the new property you wanted to. And it gives us a lot more space to operate in just specifically. And so, yeah, so we basically, uh, instead of putting in the building, we started making modifications to my building to move adults and breeders into my building. And then once Andre moved out of his old house, we then started moving hatchlings and everything over there. Um, and so it was literally just a construction thing. You know, ideally it, we would have moved everything in February if we could have it just um, takes time to do that stuff. And, and it's like, unfortunately, like when everything's going relatively smoothly there, it, it's tough to justify like halting breeding or halting, taking care of animals to move stuff, to move stuff. So we have to do all that after hours essentially, or after we've done other stuff. And so it just, Sometimes a little procrastination comes in and, you know, it takes three weeks instead of one when it really probably could have been done in a week. So, yeah, that was it. Gotcha. Okay. Okay. That's yeah. Cool yeah. So uh, that's pretty exciting. Um, yeah. And, uh, and looks like things are going really well. And y'all, man, every it, time I look at y'all's more market, like I just see some some dope stuff and I got a lot, <laughs> of, a lot of it in my favorites. I'm not going to lie. Oh, man. <laughs> I love to hear that makes me excited. It's it is going well. Um and like it's it's the market is tough right now it's a good market but sales are like i shouldn't say sales are down pricing is down a bit um yeah I'll, i will say this though and and i don't think people fully appreciate it. i have as, as we talked about earlier i'm a data nut and so if you look at pricing data pre-covid we're only about 10 or 20 percent below that number we had such a hyper inflationary period in our market that it, it really disillusioned a lot of people to what pricing should be. And so when you really compare like 2019 to right now, the market's not that bad. It's really not. And and the sales are there. I mean, in August, we sold 187, 188 snakes. I mean, that, that doesn't happen if there's not sales. Right. You have to find the right price point for stuff and you definitely have to hustle more. And that was a lot of Andre and I, making sure we remembered like when people said like, Hey, I'm interested in this animal. You got to hit those people up. You got to make sure that you're running some advertising. You got to make sure that like uh, if you're in discord groups or Facebook groups or whatever, you're letting people know you're hatching stuff. Like there's work involved in it for sure. 
but the sales are there to be found. You just got to hit a price point and you got to understand stuff that like pricing has gone down a bit. You know, DG clowns aren't 10 grand anymore. They're five. Okay, cool. Like it is what it is. There's, there's your feelings of like, oh, it's a $10,000 snake don't matter to the market. And you have to understand, like, if you want to sell stuff, you, I'm not saying like wholesale stuff. I'm not saying dump stuff. I'm saying find reasonable pricing for stuff and understand like reasonable pricing doesn't mean it's going to sell tomorrow. That probably means you priced it too low. Um, I think the average time for us for listings right now is about 37 days. So if something sits on the market for a month or a month and a half, I'm very okay with that. Like That's okay. It just means we're trying to find the right person. If stuff starts sitting for like six months, questions start coming up of like, why is that? Is this an animal that um, just needs to find the right buyer or is this really a pricing issue and we fucked up somewhere? Um, so yeah, I, I don't think the market is fucked. I think I think people just need to adjust to it a little bit more and understand like it's it's tighter and you got to put some effort in for sure. hundred percent. So uh, do you wait uh, for like a month and a half before you like think about adjusting the price or do you do it sooner than that or? Um, it, it, it depends a lot on the data that we look at. Um, so we have pretty good metrics on like what, what certain morphs should do relatively out on the gate, you know, out of the gate. And so if it's, if it's well-established stuff that we know, like pricing pretty, we have a pretty good idea of what pricing should look like. Yeah. We, we give it a little bit longer. There's definitely times where we list stuff where we're like, we're not sure what this is actually worth. Uh, example being, uh, we had an albino clown pied that we, we, we got and we had no idea what it was really worth. Right. Like albino is not the hottest project, but like we sell, we do well on them. And so it's like, is this like a $6,000 animal or is this like a $3,000 animal? And you just don't know because there's not really a lot out there and there's not a lot of sales data for that. Right. And so it was one of those things where we listed it initially at 5,000, just not really sure. And then we just watched and, and you realize pretty quickly, we were basically getting no interaction on it. So then we drop it a little bit and you start getting some. And, and so, yeah, so like stuff like that, we definitely will watch a little tighter, but if it's, if it's stuff that it's like relatively a known quantity and we know we have a good idea, I should say of what pricing should be, we'll let it sit for a month or, you know, a month or so before we really start looking at the data hard and saying like, has the market shifted already? Did this happen this quickly and, and things like that? So if and maybe this doesn't happen for y'all, but do you ever have like let's say some really nice females that sit for like way too long and so they start getting some nice size on them? Do you ever reach oh, yeah. a point where you're like, I'm not selling, I'm just gonna breed her? Yeah, I got 30 or 40 of them in the rack right now for sure. <laughs> uh so we ran into that with pastel and lace last year. Uh so so I I bred a pastel lace clown male to a bunch of cool shit. I made a bunch of really cool lace stuff. Uh, but it all like the the pastel gods just hated me, and pastel was in every <laughs> bit of it, and it's good stuff. I mean, it's pastel yellow belly lace clowns and and pastel fire yellow belly lace clowns and pastel pinstripe lace clowns, and like like cool stuff, right? Like, and it just wouldn't sell. It didn't seem to matter what I priced it at; it wouldn't sell. And I, it got to a point where I was like, it's worth more to hold on to. And we get, you know, we we feed all of our snakes as if we're keeping them, so everything gets fed weekly, whether it's a holdback or for sale. And so you definitely have those moments where like we open the drawer and we're like, she's 700 grams and I'm not selling her for $600. Um, and so that definitely happens. Um, it's not the goal, obviously. And there definitely are some animals that, you know, you probably are going to be a lot looser on and be like, yeah, we'll let her go. But we definitely have some animals that uh, they, they stuck around a little too long and now they're going to be breeders. <laughs>
Yeah, man, I feel like uh, the pastel odds guys, like they must have sold themselves to like sold to like the odds devil because oh, they <laughs> they could run out. Nothing against pastel, but like sometimes it's just like, dang, no, like, look, it's a super pastel. <laughs> dude, pastel is a great pastel is a great gene. If pastel didn't exist and came out tomorrow, it's a fifty thousand dollar gene. I guarantee it. Um, it's been around a long time. Uh, people are tired of it, and it's become cool to say it's shit. There, there are probably fewer genes that go better together than pastel and desert ghost and pastel and zebra. Those genes were made to mix together. Um, and so it's really the like, pastel clown stuff that really gave pastel I, I, like you're right. Yeah, yeah, you're right. But even like, I mean, if anybody wants to go look at our Instagram with like, we've I'm pretty sure we've got pictures of our pastel lace clowns. I mean, they're still fucking bright as shit. I mean, and pastel desert right. ghost clowns. Go look at our morph market right now. There's a pastel. Uh, DG clown head pied listed. That thing is bright as fuck, and they look just the same level of brightness as adults. Like they nice. go well together. It's just pastel's been shit on, and I think, um, and I, I I can understand it to a degree in like a male where people are like, oh, I don't necessarily want it in my male because then I don't want to spread more of it. I don't agree with that logic, but I understand it. Um, but like when you have females and stuff that have pastel, like I'm, I'm much more likely to be accepting, accepting of a female with pastel than a male. But I, I think people just have it in their head like it's bad, and it's like it's not always bad. Like some of the stuff goes really well together. And we it's nice roll with the stuff too, like the stuff that I've seen. Yeah, 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 yeah. It's it's good stuff. It just you got to have the right combos. And and look, I do, I do agree. Like pastel clowns brown out for sure. But that's where you know. We didn't stop working with sunsets because all adults are brown, right? We started mixing other genes into sunsets to try and recover that. And yeah, there's a the reason. Brown out. Yeah, exactly. I mean, snakes do. That's just how they roll. So, yeah, man. I think, I yeah, uh, uh, with, you know, pastel lace that glows. Yeah, pastel and lace go fucking fantastic together. They're great looking snakes. So, I think people are just dumb sometimes. Um, <laughs> I'm sorry if I offended you. It is what it is. But, like, I think... <laughs> I think we get close-minded and we need to understand like pastel is okay. Um, it's okay to mix it into some stuff. There's absolutely some things I wouldn't mix it in, but you know, we have it in a lot of projects and it is what it is. Yeah, for sure. So uh, late to the mic. Yeah. How did that come about? Oh, fuck man. So uh, probably for two or three years, Andre and I talked about doing a podcast, but I don't know. It just never was really going to work out. I, I don't think uh, Andre had as much desire as I did. And I don't think Andre enjoys this. Well, I know he doesn't enjoy this stuff as much as I do. Um, so like we tried and tried, tried. That wasn't really working. And then I was talking with Chase uh, from Canova and JT Tomlinson. And I was like, guys, we should do a podcast. Like, this would be so much fun. And JT wasn't as dedicated. And so then I was like, fine, JT's out. And then Chase was like, I don't want to just do a podcast with you and me. And I'm like, hurtful, but why? And he's like, well, I don't want it to just be like a phone call, like it, just people listening to our phone conversation. I was like, no, that's what people want to hear, I promise. Um, but he's like, I don't know, man. And so we were talking with Troy at one point, and Troy brought up something about his podcast. And I was like, you, you did a podcast? He's like, yeah. And I was like, oh, my God, Troy, we should do a podcast together. And he was like, okay, I'm in. And I was like, oh my God, this is going to happen. We're going to have Troy, Chase, and I do a podcast. This is going to be fucking amazing. Uh, and so, yeah, we kind of, it was really weird to me because it went from like, yeah, we should do this 
to a week later we were recording one like it happened <laughs> so fast and it's a fucking train wreck man it's amazing i love it it's a hot it's not, mess it's not a train wreck i don't I mean, know what it looks like behind the scenes but like, oh no, let me not, tell you behind wreck. the scenes but it's like it's a good train wreck like i say that and i don't i don't mean like we have a blast doing it and it's I, I struggled with this whole fear of like, I wanted it to be perfect from day one. And I, I had this vision in my head of how it should look. And I was so afraid to get going because I didn't, I didn't know if it would look like that. And it was really great having Troy basically just being like, no, we're just going to fucking do this because if we don't do it right now, it's never going to happen. And I was like, all right. And, and nothing was smooth the first time, right? We had connection <laughs> issues. We all showed up at different times. It was delightful, but it was fun. And that's, I mean, every episode has been like that. No one's that's been on time matters. yet. Like unintentionally, uh, late to the mic has turned into this whole thing where it's more like somebody is always late to the mic when in reality yeah, it's just supposed Jason's to be always late to the mic. <laughs> always, <laughs> and the whole idea initially was like, oh, it's late, late at night, and and then now it's like somebody's always fucking late to the mic, and so it's perfect. <laughs> um, so yeah, it was literally just like this kind of brainchild that that happened for a while and then it it took troy you know coming in and being like no we're gonna do this now and, and it happened and and i mean i we're having a blast i don't you know i think it's gonna work out but we're having a good time with it man <laughs> yeah it's fun like um y'all have a good like kind of like vibe together and whatnot yeah. it's, it's a lot of fun i, I enjoy it a lot oh, i appreciate I it man to, like, uh, i think i listened to like two episodes like this past sunday and yeah. start listening to another one this week but yeah okay really good job man i appreciate that i it makes it makes me we were um when we were at arlington we got a few compliments and it really it made my day just because like i said i really i really worry about like not just pleasing people but like doing a good job and and, and when you get a little bit of positive feedback like it makes you feel a little bit better about it for sure so i appreciate Absolutely. that man. I appreciate and that. Yeah. The approach that like Troy encouraged for y'all to just like jump in and do it. Like that's really the best approach. Cause I did the same thing. Like before yeah. I started the podcast, like I bounced, I bounced around the idea for like maybe six months or whatever. I was okay. asking people about it. And like, to be honest, I was a little bit intimidated just being like in front of everybody and like yeah. doing this on a regular basis live and stuff like that. So that was part of like my uh, hesitation and then just sure. like really committing to it. And I wanted right. it to be like perfect. And sure. It's really not. That's not reasonable. Like he's not gonna come out the door and be as. If it is, like, why are you even doing it? Like it's just like I. I love what you say there. It's not reasonable. Um, probably a year ago now, Summer and I were talking at Tinley, and I, I, I haven't really done very many YouTube videos for the same problem. I struggle with it looking good. And Summer was like, "You just need to fucking do them." She's like, "Stop being a bitch. Like just do them." (laughs) She's like, "They're not gonna be good." She's like, "But they'll get better." And I was like, "Ah." But it's you just you're right. You have to have that mentality. Just go with it. Um, Because and also like what I found out, too, um, when we started making our first couple of YouTubes, like I was so worried about doing things in one take and like making it perfect. And then like I went back and I watched a couple of Justin's videos and realized there's a lot of edits in there. Like clearly he's fucking shit up. Uh, And and then I talked to Summer about that. She's like, yeah, people don't care. They're like, as long as you get the point across, you're good. Like it needs to look good. But she's like it's okay to like have a couple of edits here and there. And so that helped a lot. Right. Because then you're like, Oh, okay. I can mess up. And you find out more and more like people, people don't worry about the mess ups because it, it, it it's almost relatable at some point. Right. Like we all exactly. mess up, we all screw things up and exactly. you don't come off as a robot. So yeah. Yeah. Um, that's, it's cool that y'all do it. Um, and so 
what are y'all's thoughts on like what you want to do like next like do you have like any like long-term goals with it or you just want you want to keep the same format what are you thinking oh with with the podcast yeah for the moment it's 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 uh it's a day at a time my man there is uh there is no real thought (laughs) process um i i love the format that it's in so so originally just to give you all some behind the scenes the original idea was it was gonna be the three of us and then we were going to have two ep- two guests an episode that was going to come in for like 20 minutes each. And we we're going to kind of do it like a late night talk show, right? And of course, that immediately got thrown out day one. Um, because <laughs> it just wasn't going to work. And so both guests canceled day one. I was like, perfect. This is good. Uh, <laughs> ironic because the guests were Chase's wife and my wife. So hurtful, but whatever. Uh, and so then episode two... We were going to, my wife just gave me a look. She's like, oh, really? You're going to blame me? Uh, and so, so then episode two, um, we were like, hey, just come in for a little bit. Like, you can stay as long as you want, whatever. And we kind of expected the same thing. Like, uh, they'll stick around for like 20 minutes. And they stuck around for the whole episode. And I was like, oh, so this is what we're doing now. We're just going to let the guests decide how long they want to be here. And it's almost kind of like, to me, honestly, like, a gauge for if we're having fun or not, because I figure if people aren't having fun, they'll just use an excuse to get out, right? Yeah, because like Will was on there the whole time. Um, yeah. Uh, JSA on there the whole time. It yeah. was funny, like that one when um Troy took like the the phone up to his wife and he's like, yes. yeah, I guess counsel, you want to be? And she's like, nah, bro. Absolutely. <laughs> Lisa was like, hard pass. There's like, never been a harder pass. Oh, have fun, so guys. Yeah, basically. <laughs> Yeah, man. She she lets us act like a jackass quite a bit. It's Lisa's Lisa's the best, man. If if you haven't had the chance to meet Lisa, the next Arlington or any RBC or anytime you're around Troy and you get a chance to meet Lisa, she is the best. She loves it when you hug her and she loves being told she's a stripper. I promise. That never <laughs> turns out poorly. But yeah, that was that was my biggest takeaway from the show, man. It looked like y'all yeah, awesome. were having a lot of fun doing it. It a lot um of fun. Dude, a fucking blast. And and honestly, like I'm so I'm so thankful to have like Troy and Chase. And just I mean, honestly, a lot of good friends in the industry, but um I I as I said, I'm I'm very extroverted. I like doing things with friends and groups of people and stuff. And so when Andre and I would go to shows, it was great because I always had somebody um that was there that I knew I had like a friend, a companion, you know, before I really had a lot of friends in the industry. And then Andre wasn't always going to all the shows with me. And so then it was kind of like, I almost would go into a little bit of a shell because I wouldn't have like that, that sidekick with me um, to interact with. And, and I really didn't have like that large group of people that I was interacting with. Cause it was like, I wasn't really a huge part of the vendor show crowd. And so I was really fortunate that, um, you know, Chase and I were good friends and then he invited me to their Airbnb last year. And, more so, I said I was coming to the Airbnb, but he allowed me to invite myself. Uh, and he didn't say no. He didn't say no, so he invited me. Um, and Troy and JSA and, and John Dag and all those guys, they all Airbnb at the same Air, like net condo as Justin and them. And I was so lucky. like They just kind of adopted me into their little show family. And that, that friendship I, blossomed. And I'm so thankful for that because it's like, it's so great. And and I love having these people in my life that I can spend time with and interact with at a show. And, and it's not just me by myself uh, trying to, you know, force myself on other people. I already have that group of people I forced myself on and they're stuck with me. So. <laughs> <laughs> That's dope, bro. That's dope, man. Man, like I hate to wrap it up, but 
yeah. I do want to be respectful for your time and let you no, man, get out here and enjoy it. the rest of your night. But before we get out of here, man, um, yeah. I do have like some wrap up questions and stuff. I want Absolutely, to let's about. do it. So uh, I guess like the first one is kind of like a deep one, or it can be a deep one. So kind of thinking back to uh, when you started, like back in 2012, and kind of like where you're at now, like yeah. what would you say have been like kind of like the biggest changes uh, with you and kind of your approach to things and the, like your thought process and stuff like that? Um, biggest changes in um what I buy. Um, there's a lot more thought that goes, there's a lot more planning just in general, um, in, in, in every decision, it's no longer just a, you know, fly by the seat of my pants. Um, it's very much so how does this affect our business three years down the road, five years down the road, 10 years down the road, um, to a point that might be slightly paralyzing at times because I really think I probably overthink things occasionally. Um, but there's just a lot more planning involved. So we don't buy a snake just because it's a good deal. Like that's just not a conversation anymore. Um, I think most people probably shouldn't buy snakes because they're a good deal. Um, you should be buying a snake because it fits into whatever plan you have. Whether that plan is to have a pet, that's a great answer. But make sure that that's the reason. If it's for a breeding project, you shouldn't just be like, oh, I can find a use for it. No, make sure you have a use for an animal before you purchase it. So I think that's the biggest change. Um, my first animal was a killer bee male. I didn't need it. I bought it because it was a good deal. And so I think that's the biggest change, honestly. It's just a little more planning. Uh, behind um, the purchases and, and the decisions that we make. Got you, got you. Great answer, man. Great answer. All right, and I got some some rando questions for you. Yeah. So the first one is, if you could live anywhere in the world, where would it be and why? Anywhere in the world and where would it be? Okay, yeah. so, so the easy answer is... Uh, I actually love this part of the country. I love Richmond. Uh, we're two hours from mountains, two hours from the ocean. Uh, we have four seasons. It's great. I love it. Um, skipping that answer. My wife really wants to retire to the South of France. I don't have a good reason as to why she wants to go to the South of France, but that's what she's decided. And uh, I, I'd be totally cool with that. Um, it would make her super happy. She sacrificed so much. Uh, she, you know, we, we, we both grew up and were raised in Texas um, without a second thought, when I, I got accepted to grad school in Virginia, she didn't even think twice. She said, okay, let's go. Uh, she uprooted her whole life to come over here. She sacrificed a lot to uh, to live this life. And so if that makes her happy, whatever, man, I don't give a fuck. It's great. That's what's up, bro. Great answer. Great answer. So uh, if you won $10 million, how would you use it? Oh, man. we My wife and I talked about this the other day when the lottery was like a billion dollars. Uh, so $10 million, I would buy a lot of land. I would buy a Porsche and I would set up a tiny zoo because my wife really wants a tiny zoo, like, like a tiny farm, I should say. So she wants like fucking ducks, some silky chickens, some tiny cows, miniature pigs, all that shit. So we'd probably do something like that and set up like a proper homestead. Nice. Nice. Yeah. And then if you could have dinner with any three people dead or alive, who would it be and why? Fuck that man. Troy asks people that every week, and I'm always so glad I'm not one of them. Um, three people dead or alive. Um, okay, so so one of them is kind of interchangeable. I'd love to have a conversation with either Steve Jobs or Bill Bill Gates. I think okay. those guys were kind of the found. I mean, they were kind of the founding fathers of like the computer age. 
I think there's a lot of knowledge there. I mean, obviously they fucked up a lot of shit, but like those are two really, really smart people that kind of came from very distinctly different approaches, right? They're both college dropouts, but like one was the Harvard, you know, super uber genius from early on. And Steve Jobs was definitely more artistic, but had a lot of vision and the unique design. So I think one of those guys would be awesome. Um, man. All right. Who else? Um, Kobe Bryant. Uh, Kobe Bryant was like my idol growing up. And, uh, got to stand next to him one time and it was like the coolest experience of my life. Nice. Um, I would love to be able to have a conversation with him. I, I think uh, un- unknowingly a lot of the whole, the mom, the mentality probably is part of why I'm so broken today and, and won't give up on stuff. Um, and so I think I would love to just like be able to really have a real conversation about that. And like, was he always really like that? Or, you know, I think that conversation would be great. So I'd love that. Um, and then who would the third person be? Fuck, man. Um, it's really hard. I don't know. Um, there's no name that immediately jumps to mind, so maybe there's not a third person, but clearly I need to come up with one, right? Um, <laughs> is it Troy? Yeah, it's Troy. No, I have, I have too many <laughs> conversations with Troy as is. Um trying to think of a musician that i would really want to interact with that i think would be a great like maybe like paul mccartney or somebody like that okay like what's it like to be like the greatest right like like truly like world renowned the greatest like i think somebody like that i and that's maybe not the perfect answer but something like that i just i like talking to people that are incredible at what they do and trying to glean some of that off of and why it uh it why they are what they are you know nice dope so what's your favorite genre of music oh man anything but uh country uh so <laughs> my my wife laughs constantly if you looked at my ipod or my iphone now i guess uh one song could be kesha the next would be job for a cowboy which is a death metal band and then we could go to eminem or jay-z uh it, it definitely right. bounces around a whole lot um lately there's been a lot of taylor swift if we're being honest really crushing some lavender haze uh but you know yeah it's not one set <laughs> genre so if you only had like one spot left on your goat list and you either had to put Eminem or Jay-Z, which one would it be? And I'm not saying that. Um, goat, but yeah. Um, okay. So I feel as a white individual, I'm supposed to say Eminem, even though I think it's Jay-Z. I think every white guy always <laughs> says Eminem. He's like, oh, Eminem's the best. I, I think Jay-Z's probably a better rapper. I think I like what Eminem does more. Um in the sense of like he brings a lot more like singing into his music and it's less rap right jay-z i think is a lot more hardcore like actual rap and i think that's the difference in my mind so i think jay-z's probably the better rapper but i enjoy listening to eminem more. gotcha that, okay is that, is that a fair answer that's fair yeah i was just about to okay. say that's fair because like i really love like new york from jay-z right but that's because the singing and the other stuff comes into it so anyway yeah nice nice yeah 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 they're both nice though like without yeah sure without a doubt sure. Eminem do do catch like I think a lot of undue hate like some people don't like Eminem but I like Eminem like if you because right. it's a lot of things too like 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 rapping and just hip hop in general and he does a lot of it really well like you might not necessarily like the subject matter or like some of his content and stuff like that but as far yeah. as like the mechanics of what he's doing and the flow and the rhyme schemes and stuff like that right. like he's very it's, talented at doing that dude so. there's some there's some rhymes he gets going and I'm just like. How do you think of that shit? <laughs> Seriously, it's yeah. Anyway, it's good stuff, man. I, I mean, rappers in general, though, like 
I don't think enough credit is given to them on like the whole idea of freestyle and like how quick their minds work to get to places, right? Like there's no chance in the world I'm that creative. Like some of the lines that like little Wayne comes up with, fuck me. Fuck the world, get a child out of her. I'm like, what? Like who thinks <laughs> of that shit? Yeah, man, it's great. I, I, I love how creative they can be with it though. It really is cool. Yeah. Yeah. A hundred percent, a hundred percent. All right. So what's one question you wish I would have asked you and how would you have answered it? Oh God. Uh, one question that I wish you had asked me, um, man, I don't know. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) Oh no, that's tough. Um, I feel like we hit a lot of stuff. Um, yeah, I got nothing, man. I think you crushed it. Yeah. I don't got nothing. I don't got nothing. Um, appreciate it. Yeah, it was good. Sure. Yeah. This was a good conversation. I loved it. I, so I was on a podcast yesterday and, um, I, I felt a little self-conscious in it because it just didn't feel like I felt like it could have gone better. Um, everybody said it went well, but I felt like it could have gone better. And this is like the exact opposite of that. So I'm really excited. Like this is, I appreciate, I appreciate this, man. I appreciate good. it, man. That really means a lot, man. Really means yeah. a lot. For sure. Yeah, man. Yeah, like, like going back to what you were saying, like, man, just getting that positive feedback from your peers, man, that goes a long way. So y'all make sure y'all give does, man. everybody their flowers, man. Don't don't hold back. Uh, yeah, man, There's, uh, I, I love that comment. Give everybody their flowers. Your blessings aren't affected by my blessings, all right? Like, let's let's enjoy each other. Let's celebrate each other. Just because somebody hits a fucking awesome snake doesn't mean you're not going to. And exactly. the chances of that fucking awesome snake affecting your sales are zero. So... Man, celebrate some people. It's a good time. We got plenty of hate, and there's plenty of reasons to shit on people. But like, when people do cool stuff, it's okay to say it. It really is. It's okay. A hundred percent. A hundred percent, bro. Yeah, I love so, it. So, on that note, is there anything else you want to uh, tell tell everybody before we get out of here? Uh, uh, find all that good stuff. Yeah, man. Uh, so, for getting hold of us for Chimera uh, Morph Market, and then our Instagram, which is Chimera underscore Reptile are the two best ways to get a hold of us. Um, we do have a website, but all of that forwards to either Instagram or Morph Market. So you can hit us up there. Uh, for Late to the Mic, uh, we actually air um, 10 o'clock on Thursdays, uh, 10 o'clock Eastern, I should say, so in about 30 minutes. So anybody that wants to come hang out uh, for another hour and a half, feel free to uh, to come find us uh, at YouTube at uh, Late to the Mic. And uh, I think we already have the live set up and ready to roll. Uh, nice. other than that, man, that's about it, man. I uh, appreciate you having us here, uh, getting to, you know, tell our story and talk a little bit. And uh, I'm glad you're happy with the snake. It's always, I, it, it's always, you know, we send snakes off and, and you don't always get to hear back on how people feel. And so there's a little bit of nervousness sometimes on not knowing, you know, what people really think. So it's good to hear that you you're happy at the moment and life is good, man. Nice. Nice, man. Uh, y'all keep y'all keep on killing it, man. Um, Appreciate it. You know, killing it with the reptiles. Uh, keep on killing it with the podcast. Uh, make sure y'all check it out too. Late to the mic, man. It's a real fun show, man. If you can't check out the live, definitely go through. Check out the replay. Do all that. Um, great show, man. Great vibe. Appreciate whole it. lot of fun, man. Um, everybody who checked us out tonight, man, we really appreciate it. Everybody who checks us out on the replay, we appreciate it. The audio only game, we appreciate all of y'all. Appreciate the support week in and week out, man. It really means a lot. Really goes a long way. Uh, but with that, we are going to wrap it up. Can you hang around for just yeah. a couple minutes? Yeah, cool. yeah, man. You're, yeah, hundred percent. Right. Thank y'all for coming out. Be blessed. Peace. <laughs>